This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy Sports lives here. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast podcast for Fantrax <laughs> Radio. This is the late night edition. Anything could happen. Uh, with me as always is Pat Donovan. I'm going to try to slur my speech less than Nick. <laughs> Oh, man, it's been a long day. Um, <laughs> let's jump right into news and notes. Uh, Pedro Strupp, Strupp Hammer Time, is done for the year. Brandon Morrow is starting to throw. Who do you think is getting the saves for the Cubs to finish out the year, Pat? Well, it's actually come out that Morrow is done for the year. I believe they've shut him down completely. So there's not going to be any more of him either. Um, I, I think it's a committee of Chavez and Ciszek. Um, they both have a save, um, but I mean, it's an incredibly small sample that we're dealing with. Uh, so I, I think I would look elsewhere if I was desperate for saves because, you know, you don't want a committee with a week and a half to go. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and do you like any of those guys better than uh, Boutry or Nate Jones? You know, I, I, I think I like Butchery the best. Um, you know, he's come in. He's sort of seized control of that job in, in L.A. Uh, the stuff looks good. Um, you know, I believe he's gotten the last three save chances. I know that he had um, the last chance was a five-out save, and he got through it clean. Um, so it looks like he's going to be the guy going forward there. Uh, Nate Jones, I'm, I'm less optimistic. He's just – too inconsistent. Um, the the command isn't there. I believe he blew a save tonight. Um, so I, I think I would go Butchery, uh, the Cubs guys, and then Nate Jones. Okay. Uh, I think I'm on the same page as you. Um, Alex Wood is moving to the pen. Uh, obviously a big drop at this point, but um, it brings up a larger point. The Dodgers right now have an abundance of starting pitchers. Any idea how this shakes out for next year or just wait and see? I think it's just a wait and see situation. Uh, Ryu is a free agent, uh, so I'm assuming that he's going to move on. Um, then you're left with Kershaw, Bueller, Hill, Wood, Maida, Stripling, and Urias. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I laugh because it's just kind of ridiculous the sort of depth that they have. Um, you know, you might think, well, they'll move one, but I'm not so sure. This has been a team that's um, really valued their starting pitching depth, depth over the last couple of years um, and has had to have it. Uh, you know, no one is the picture of health um, in this rotation. Kershaw has been banged up. Uh, Rich Hill obviously has his problems. Alex Wood has had injury problems. Maida, um, Urias. So you're, you're looking at a bunch of guys that have been on and off the DL over the last a um, couple of years, um, you know, I think you perceive a Kershaw and Bueller as sure things. 
And I think you've got to kind of discount the others until it plays out with Hill, um, the highest of the remaining five. And I think I would have Urias last among those remaining five, um, just based upon the innings. I've said, I know I've said earlier this year, and I'm sure you probably echoed what I said, which was like, when you take any of those back end Dodgers guys, just be ready for it at some point in the season. If they struggle at all, or if there's any type of injury, they pull the trigger so fast on sending guys to the bullpen. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So buyer beware next year going into the draft too. If you take anyone that's like the three, four, or in the five slot on this team, basically anyone that's not Bueller or Kershaw. Yeah, I think you. I think you do have to sort of be buyer beware when it comes to that. And they've because... had good, great success with guys they've moved to the pen. Yeah, I mean, you know, Meta was excellent out of the pen last year. Um, Alex Wood had a good stretch out of the pen. Um, I think he's had multiple good stretches out of the pen. So Are you as well. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's one of those situations where you kind of have to be conservative when it comes to your innings estimates for the guys that aren't named Kershaw and Bueller, because there's a lot of depth and you know, these guys have shown that they're versatile and uh, if they struggle for any length of time or if they're hurt, um, the Dodgers are not going to be afraid to put them into the pen. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be a FWO podcast unless we talked about Gregory Polanco. So let's talk about Gregory Polanco. Uh, he's going to miss seven to nine months now at this thing after surgery. So as far as April, as far as the draft next year, it, is he draftable? Is he a post waiver stash or are you willing to invest at a higher level? Well, you know, I, I think the best case scenario is the start of next year. And whenever you're looking at that as sort of the best case scenario, um, I, I think you sort of have to discount it. So you're looking somewhere between April and June based upon estimates, you know, you want to be conservative, yeah, I guess you say right around mid-May. Um, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate the idea of like an end game DL stash. Um, you know, I can't invest beyond that because he's never been a player that's given you a whole lot of confidence health wise. So, I mean, it's a minimal investment final draft pick in a 12 team mixer, um, throw him on the DL. Um, he certainly got top 100 type talent. Um, the power has really come through this year with the swing change. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a big fan of taking a guy that's on the DL or two at the end of the draft because it frees up your roster to sort of play around with for the first few weeks and, um, you know, be able to find some guys that maybe are early season breakouts, a la Max, Mun- Max Muncy. Um, so I, I don't mind investing a draft pick. It's just got to be one of my last ones. You know, I'm I'm – I used to like Polanco. I just got sick of talking about him. I think that's the only reason why I don't like him um, because we talked about him so much in the past. But what his price will be next year, I mean, if he's he's going like post-22nd round, like just or undrafted, like in that range, then I definitely like the price. And I like like the stash because there's not many guys that you could pick up in those later rounds who could, you know, hit – high 20s and steal some bases, which he, he had the swing change. He did it this year. But coming off a big injury, there, there will be some red flags. But I'll, 
I'll take the chance on the, what, 20, what is he, 26, 27? He's still really young. Yeah, he's still on the younger side. He's right in his prime. Um, Polanco or Cespedes? I think based upon age alone, I would take Polanco. You know, I've got similar expectations as far as when I expect to see, see them. Um, hmm. Cespedes, I think um, there is some potential for him to be out a little bit longer as well. But Polanco being in his prime, I'm, I'm more confident in him um, than I am in Cespedes at this point. I feel like I'd probably lean Cespedes just based on name power and value. I think I think he holds a little bit more value as far as trade bait, maybe. I don't know. It's it's pretty close. I would lean towards Hespitus, though. Um, somehow, some way, Trevor Bauer is going to start Friday. <laughs> How did this happen? How did this guy heal? He's like Wolverine. Yeah, um, he's just he's a big animal. Is what it comes down to. He's like the greatest ever. Um, but he's only slated to go a few innings. Uh, Zach Wheeler shut down for the remainder of the season. Uh, 107, 187 innings, 29 starts, 3.31 ERA, 8.8 K per nine. He's going to be a very trendy name in March, right? Shooting up draft boards. Oh, absolutely. He's going to be, you know, top 30-ish starting pitcher, I think. Um, Chapman's coming up the DL, um, and uh, the Rays are calling up Austin Meadows. Any thoughts on either of those? Well, I mean, I expect the Chapman will be probably reinstalled as closer in short order. It's not, it's not an arm injury that he's returning from. So I don't know how much the Yankees are going to make him prove it. And I think they're going to want to find out in pretty short order, whether or not, um, you know, he's all the way back and capable to close um, with the postseason right around the corner. And then Meadows, um, you know, I don't know what the playing time is going to be like, but he absolutely raked. Um, in Dorham at AAA. Uh, he's had 10 homers since the trade, and he's slashing 344, 396, 771. Wow. So he's absolutely dominated in AAA during this short stretch of time, and we've seen him come up and get hot before. Um, so he's an interesting guy uh, in deeper leagues if you want to take a shot um, and sort of you know plug him in and plug him out over the last week based upon his playing time. All right, let's move into our uh, first segment, starting pitchers for the next few weeks, the final weeks of the fantasy season. Who do we like that's uh, 40% owned or less? And who do you got first? Okay, um, you know, I I, I sort of cheated here. I I went with the guy that's 41% owned. But, um, you know, I thought it was a name that was worthwhile. Uh, Jake Odorizzi um, has been really good of late, uh, mostly due to competition. But he's a pretty good bet to get two starts. And one is coming against Detroit, who he just totally dominated earlier this week. And the other versus the White Sox, um, who were dominated tonight by Carlos Carrasco, obviously a better pitcher than Jake Odorizzi. But uh, it's uncertain whether or not they're going to have Jose Abreu, who's dealing with a thigh infection. So it's unclear whether he's going to be in the lineup. Um, And even if he is, I mean, that's – two really good opponents to close out the year. Um, so he's a priority for me coming down the stretch. Uh, my first guy is Steven Matz. Um, I was never a huge fan of Matz, obviously because of the, uh, the injury risk uh, as far as drafts and, and trades. But right now he's tearing it up. Um, over the last month, 
2.29 ERA, 0.85 whip. He's got 39 Ks in 35 innings. And there's no doubting the talent. I mean, like we know the kid could pitch. He's just been extremely inconsistent and been extremely injury prone. But right now on the stretch, he's a guy I would trust. He gets you Ks. He's got the stuff. And as long as he's healthy, he could be pretty dangerous. Right now in the second half, the opponents are batting 226 against him, which is a 295 OBP. Um, so Matt is a guy that I would trust down the stretch. Who's your second? Yeah, or uh, my, my, no, I was just gonna say, you know, I, I agree on Matt's. I, I think that um, I think he's kind of been a little bit underowned this year. Um, I, I think the injuries have sort of kept the market pretty low on him. So I, I, I do like that choice. But my second guy is Ryan Baroki, seven uh, percent. Baroque got blown up by the Yankees, but other than that, he's been more solid than not. Um, take away the August 19th start versus the Yankees. He's thrown 83.1 innings of 3.24 ERA ball. Now, the skills aren't studly. The K rate isn't great, but he's got Tampa twice, um, who you know is a club that's played pretty well here down the stretch. Um, but Baroque has pitched well against them. Um, he recently had a start, six innings pitched, two earned, five Ks. Um, and there are certainly other lineups that you're trying to avoid um, that scare you more than Tampa's. Uh, my second guy, I, I hate him because he destroyed me in the first round of the playoffs, is Reynaldo Lopez. I mean, this is not a guy that I would ever, ever, ever recommend picking up, but he's been absolutely dominant. I mean, absolutely dominant. Right now, he's just 36% owned, and over the last month, he's got a 1.10 e- 1.10 ERA, 0.86 WHIP. He's got 35 Ks in 32 innings. He's been very, very solid start to start um, since the All Star break. If you look at the game breakdown, he's faced some really tough offenses as well. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I love the stuff. Uh, what I will say though is that right now he's locked in. He's not walking guys, which was a big problem for Lopez. And as long as he's got the command, he's got decent breaking stuff. I mean, he's done it over the last month and a half. So give it a shot if you need it. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. He's actually a guy I brought up on the Batflip Crazy podcast um, as another name. Um, power pitcher. He's got a pretty diverse arsenal. And you said it. I mean, it's all about command and control with him. Um, the control seems to have taken a step forward. Um, and that might be all he needs to sort of um, enter the realm of usefulness and, and being interesting because, um, you know, he's got stuff to strike guys out. Uh, and as long as he's not walking guys at an insane clip, I, I think he's, you know, a pretty good bet um, to to put up, you know, decent starts. Now, he, he because the command is an issue you're walking a fine line but I think you're walking a fine line with all the guys we're talking about um, you know this, if you can avoid yeah. <laughs> you can avoid, inspiration mode we're talking yeah about. yeah if you're if you can avoid throwing these guys um, I would recommend it but you know if you need the starts I think Lopez might be out of the names that we've mentioned might be the guy with the biggest upside coming down the stretch. Yeah. Like if you had Alex Wood and you don't have that many pitchers and you need the innings, then these are the guys that we 
recommend. Otherwise, stay away. <laughs> because, you know, when you, especially with like Matt and Lopez, those are two guys in particular who are very well known for having those monstrously disgusting starts. Well, they all are. I mean, Odorizzi yeah. is a guy that like is famous for that as well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Baroki is a complete you know, unknown commodity in terms of, in terms of like what he can do. I mean, he's only been in the rotation since June and that blow up against the Yankees was really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you've heard, as we've said, like these guys don't have the worst matchups either. So you, you, you feel a little bit better about throwing them, but that possibility is always out there when you're talking about, you know, you know, back end, back end starting pitching. Yeah. So next segment, this is, this is, this is a really good segment. We're going to talk about the guys that we were right on. So we don't want to, you know, pat it, pat ourselves on the back here, but come on. We, we well, that's exactly what we want to do. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what we want to do. Um, you want me to start? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'll start us off with my guy, uh, Jack Flaherty. So Flaherty, um, I liked him the year before last. I liked him this year. I liked him every year since he was like 14 years old. The guy is just absolutely filthy, and he's made some changes, and he is only 22 years old, people. He's 22 years old, and he is striking the shit out of people right now. A ton of swinging strike in that slider. Um, The four-seamer's working. He knows how to locate it. He's got a curveball. He's got the sinker. He's got a really large arsenal of pitches for a 22-year-old kid. So what that means is over the next couple of years, he's going to make tweaks here and there. He has the pitches. He doesn't need to add a pitch. He's going to work on pitches. So look for him next year to get even better. Um, I think that he has – I think he could get better as far as control and command next year. I think we'll see less walks. And I think that the Ks per nine will stick or go higher because right now – the sliders um, uh, inducing a 23.4% swinging strike rate. I think that could go up to somewhere around like 27 and stay there, which is what, it, which is where it was at like earlier this season. And it's where like Kershaw's breaking stuff is. It's where um, Corbin's breaking stuff is that 25 plus mark. Once you get there, you're in elite territory. Um, so he has that elite pitch and he's got a, a bunch of other pitches. So if he could get a strong second, a decent third, figure it out and make some tweaks, which I believe in the the Cardinal pitching staff that they'll do just that. He's a guy that next year going into drafts, um, I would not be afraid of taking really high because sometimes the young pitchers don't work out a la Luke Weaver. Um, But this kid is special and don't be afraid to take him really high. He's going to be awesome. Yeah, um, I, I took him in the too early mock, the the Justin Mason mocks, um, relatively high. He was my second starting pitcher, um, and I, I felt really good about that. I was also very high on Flaherty coming into the year. I think we all were, and I think this is one of our better calls. I, I will give you the props because you were the high man of the three of us. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like there. Um you know, it's been a it's been a fantastic debut season. Um, he's got the elite breaking stuff. Um, 
and, and you know, I, I think he can further refine his game, but I mean, he's put together almost a full year of sub three ERA ball. And um, the fact that he's not a finished product only speaks to the fact that, um, you know, there, there might be another level there even beyond what he's done this year. Okay. My guy, uh, Mitch Hanniger, um, actually homer tonight. So that gives him 26 on the season, nine bombs, um, 80 runs, 89 RBIs. Um, he's now over 90 RBIs tonight. Um, and I believe, and he's over 80 runs, obviously. Uh, 282, 854 um, OPS. Um, Hanniger's been extremely solid um, pretty much across the board. Uh, he's a five category guy. Um, this, this sort of jack of all trades profile doesn't really ever get anyone excited, but it's extremely useful. Um, you know, especially with speed being so scarce, if you can get a guy that's approaching double digit steals um, and is a plus in power and is a plus in batting average and in counting stats, um, that's a really, really useful piece. And this is pretty much who Hanniger has been. If you look at the 2017 numbers pace wise, I know he was banged up for a period of time, but everything is in line. Uh, drafts because he got hurt. Um, and, and he's even made some strides. He's walking more than he was in 2017, exhibiting a good eye at the plate, laying off bad pitches. At just 27, he's entering his prime. And I think that there is definitely a 30-homer season in that bat, um, you know, if he elevates the ball enough. So, I mean, I, I think the future is bright even going forward for Mitch Hanniger. You're such a sucker for these guys. <laughs> you love these kind of guys. Yeah, I do. I, I I tend to like guys that you know are Daniel good. Murphy's. Well, <laughs> you love that mid twenties pop, almost ten steal, good average. And listen, it, it's a it's a good serviceable player. Is he a guy that I that'll win you a championship? I don't think so, but um, he's he's super consistent. I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna say anything there. Uh, it's just it's just funny. He he he's just got your thumbprints all over it. This is like such a you guy. Yep, um, agreed. My next guy, I, I don't know if I could take so much credit for this because I feel like, what, he was, he was, what it was his ADP, like Jose Ramirez, he was third round, second round? Yeah, I think he was somewhere in the second and third round vicinity. No, but this is, yeah. I, and, and, I, and I, put, I put this list together, and the reason why I gave you this one was, um, Joe and I were skeptical of the power and you were absolutely right on about um, the power being repeatable and even going beyond what he did last year. Yeah. Uh, so you definitely deserve the props on this one. Well, thank you. I, um, I believe, I believe my projection was like 35, 30 or, something it was something really close to where he's at right now but i i was i was higher on the average he went he dropped down to 281 but i mean come on uh so all right we'll, we'll talk about ramirez for, for a second because we don't we don't talk about the really good guys often um but yeah, yeah we like to talk about the bad players <laughs> yeah, like, you know, Lopez and gregory blanco and brandon belt every goddamn show um but with ramirez um listen 
I said it earlier this season, and when you say something, what, what I'm about to say is a profound statement, and people are always taken back by when you say that someone is better than Mike Trout. Now, do I do I think he's better than Mike Trout? No, I don't think he's. I'll tell you right now, he's not better than Mike Trout. Mike Trout is a once in a lifetime player, and he's his comp is Mickey Mantle. I mean, he doesn't get better than that. But I think that, in my opinion, I'd rather have Jose Ramirez in fantasy baseball. Uh, because he has the position, um, he is a lock for the steals. Whereas Trout had some. Uh, what, what do you know offhand? What his ballpark, his low year was of steals, or what Trout's? Yeah, or like where he's been, kind of on average. I think he might have had like an eighteen steal season at some point. Okay, um, um, but let me check while you're so while you're making your point. There is there's some other issues I have. One is the team. Um, Ramirez is batting third behind Lindor, who's probably the best, best leadoff hitter in baseball. And he's batting in front of power, a lot of power guys. So the, the, the counting stats are always going to be going forward hundred, hundred, which right now they're 102 runs, 101 RBIs. Um, the power is definitely real. Look at the stat cast, look at the hard contact, look at everything. There is no doubting that this guy is just a 30 home run bat. The guy I always compare him to which is a weird comparison, but if you watch the swing, it's really similar, is uh, Manny Ramirez. Um, it's that absolute, complete, balanced swing with zero effort. The ball just leaves the yard. Um, so, like, next year, if you had to ask me to put a, a projection on his stats, I would do the same thing. I think he's going to be 35-30 and lock it up, and it's going to come with a really, really good batting average the 282, first of all, this year is a 262 batting and a 281 batting average. Um, that's going to go up next year. If the average is going to be 300 plus, maybe, maybe like 290. But it, I, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be over 290 next year, unless he's unlucky again, which is not going to happen. He had a 395 OBP, 574 slugging. I mean, all the numbers are just ridiculous. Um, and he plays every single game. He's He's played six. He has had 600-plus plate appearances the last three three years, so I would have him ranked ahead of Trout. Okay, so Trout steals in order from 2012. 49, 33, 16, 11, 30, 22, and 24 this year. Okay. Yeah, I, I've definitely still got Trout in front of Ramirez, but that's – that's got a lot to do with the fact that I just think Trout's got such a sustained track record of excellence um, that I view his floor as like top five. <laughs> it's it's sort of insane how good Trout is in terms of um, his range of outcomes. Uh, I, think, I think I just I just think I just think with Trout there's a there's a lot of real life put into fantasy. I really do. Like, listen, the bottom line is this, and I I I like Trout a lot. But the last two years, he had under seventy five RBIs in both years. He's had under a hundred run scores in both years. He was injured in both years. He. Had 35 home runs this year, 33 home runs last year. So he went he went 30-20 both years. Um, let's take 2017 and 2018. Look at these years and say, all right, 
like, th- all right, so this is Mike Trout. This is what he's, he, he's going to do next year. He's a 34 home run, 23 steal, 300 average guy. That's fine. That's great. But, I, like, Ramirez is, is going to be better than that. Like, he's going to steal more bases. He's going to hit just as many home runs. He's going to get more counting stats. But he doesn't have the war, and he isn't the outfielder that Trout is. And I don't know. I just think there's a lot of real life that's put into into Trout. And I'd rather have I'd, I'd rather have Ramirez. Either. I mean, I'm I'm looking at season rankings, and Trout is sixth. That's fine. I don't. So, I, I mean, how much how much real life is that? I mean, well, Pat, who, it's who, not. It's not. Would you rather have thirty five? 24 319 or 38 33 281 probably the three all right the 319 but ramirez is gonna hit for better power next year ramirez has 10 more almost 10 more steals and three more home runs that's my point and a lot more counting stats i don't i don't dispute that ramirez has had the better year but it's not you don't base it all based on just one year. And like I said, Trout has consistently year after year after year been a top five ish player. I mean, this I mean, honestly, like this is the first year Ramirez has stepped his game up to this level. Mm-hmm. He was very, very good last year. He was not, you know, first round talent. Good. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm more than happy to take Trout and lock in, you know, a top five player. And if Jose Ramirez outproduces him again, I'll tip my cap. But I'd rather have Trout, definitely. And so Trout and Trout's number one for you overall, right? Correct. Yes. And I think I, I actually Mookie have Mookie. Mookie I think I might have Mookie Betts in front of Ramirez as well. Okay, but you know, I think when it comes to those two, you're sort of splitting hairs. Okay, okay my second guy is uh, Blake Trinan. Um, you know, it's sort of funny. I I cannot spell this guy's name correctly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was struggling like, with like it believe. today. Like no one knows how to spell believe. Yeah, I, it just uh, like it's like a mental block. I can't get past it. And Wednesday, uh, like who knows how to spell Wednesday? No one. <laughs> All right, moving on from days of the week. Uh, <laughs> Joe and I are really big into Trinan. Um, he represents Exhibit A as to why you can wait at closer on draft day. Um, in the last month before the season started this year, Trinan was being selected as the 17th closer off the board. Um, and all you have to do is watch the highlights of this guy's stuff. I mean, it's total filth the way he can make the baseball move at that sort of velocity. Um, the control took a significant step forward this year, which you saw from the time that he was traded to Oakland from Washington last year, um, the sort of roots of that and, and the gains that he made. Now, he's certainly taken it to another level in terms of strikeout rate. Um, there is a pretty big reduction in home run rate as well, um, which I think you'll see some regression there next year. But – I mean, overall, I think that Trinan is is a guy that, you know, is a complete lockdown, shutdown, closer going forward. Um, 
I suspect he's going to go from undervalued to overvalued at the draft table next year. For instance, he went in the fourth round of my two early mock this week. Um, I would never dream of him there. But, you know, it's it's more it's more an illustration of the fact that you don't have to um, pay up necessarily at closer to get a very good one. Um, you just sort of have to look at the skills, um, look who, you know, maybe had a situation change or, or a skill change down the stretch this year. And you can maybe capitalize on that the same way that a lot of folks were able to capitalize on Trenton. Yeah, you guys were right on Trenton. I was the low man on him just because um, he had some really miserable outings the year before with with uh, the Nationals. Um, but the, I, 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 listen, there's no doubting the stuff. Like It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I just felt like closers who lack the control – which is which he lost a lot with the with the Nats when he was put in that in that spot. Um, don't tend to last very long. Uh, you, you know you, they, they, you do not like when your closers walk guys, but he obviously he obviously corrected that situation, and now he's just like the best ever. So uh, I, I like him a lot. And you're right about the closers. Every single year, I mean, we do it. We do it every year. We never take closers high. We always wind up with pretty decent closers. Um. My last guy is Ozzy Albies. All right, Ozzy Albies, the tale of two seasons. What happened to you, Ozzy? I traded you, and then you just stunk. God. Um, <laughs> but you know what? He doesn't stink. He's awesome. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'll take credit for him. He hasn't really been that, that good this season, honestly. He was really good to start. He was like the best player ever. But uh, – you know, second half he's batting two forty five with just two home runs, which is scary. Um, I will say this about Albies. Uh, you know, I did like the power, and I really, really like the speed, which I was way off. I, I just don't know um, why he isn't stealing that much right now. But I, and what I was saying in the first half, my excuse was, oh, he only hits home runs and doubles. Like, he never singles, so he's not going to steal. But – I'll tell you right now, if you're going to put a projection on Albies next year, um, you could lock him in for 15-plus home runs. That's a, that's a pretty confident number, Where, but sky's the limit. I, I, like, he's, I wouldn't be surprised to see him hit 25, um, but the steals are going to go way up. Like, I, would, I would project him in a real projection for something like 30 or, or above 30, and it's going to come with a good batting average. So uh, I love him next year. I'm not exactly sure where his – what do you think his ADP is next year, like a ballpark? I would think that he's probably right around a sixth-round pick. Oh, really? You think he's that high? Well, right now he's the 71st overall player, according oh, wow. to what so I'm he's, seeing. He's still coasting off that first half then. Well, I mean, he's he scored a bunch of runs. He's over 100 runs. Yeah. So that's sort of – We've, we've talked about it before. I mean, when it comes to run production, that's sort of the lost skill. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that people look to. Everybody's obsessed with the homers and the steals and the, and, and the batting average. And none of those are really bad. I mean, 22 homers, 13 steals. Yeah, it's not Jose Ramirez, Mike Trout, but 35 homers plus steals is pretty good coming with the 270 batting average. And he's put up 170 runs in RBI, you know, 170 runs plus RBIs. 
So he's what, been a very nice player. So, so what's the, the Braves line has been, been, it's been Albies, Freeman, Acuna, where's Acuna been? Four? Acuna's been leading off. Oh, wow. So, so it's Acuna, Albies, Freeman? Yeah. Oof, uh, Maron, that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, Acuna's really good. Uh, you should have gave me Acuna. I was right on Acuna. Come on. I was crazy. And that's going to be, and, and, I, and I suspect, I don't want to say they're definitely going to do this, but I suspect they're going to get better. You know, Ooh. I think, I, well, I mean, you know, they're, they're making the playoffs this year. Oh, yeah. They're a year ahead of schedule, and I imagine they're going to be players in free agency this year. Um, so, I mean, I think that lineup is going to improve. So, I think Albie's situation is going to improve. And plus, I mean, he's 21. Yeah. So, I, you know, this is, even though it's not jump off the page, like stud good, it's a excellent season for a 21-year-old rookie. Or, you know, he might not have rookie eligibility, but you understand what I'm saying. It's his first full season. Yeah. So, I, I definitely think that, we shouldn't downplay how good he's been just because it sort of was front loaded uh, in terms of the power. Yeah, He's got a, I, well, I expect the walk rate to go up a little bit next year. Um, and when that does, you know, the OBP is just three twelve, which is not good for, for, for a two hitter. We got to get that up. Um, you know, once the, once the OBP and the, the, the walks go up, he'll steal more bases. And he, Acuna didn't, Acuna came up, what in May or June? Um, I want to say May. So yeah, he came up in May. He missed a couple weeks. Um, that lineup's been a little shifty too. So you know, Albie's scored 101 runs runs without the lineup like being all there. Although they, they a lot of guys outperform, but um, you know, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be really solid as far as runs and RBIs go next year. I would have him ranked very 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 high. Um, anything else you want to add, Pat? No, not to Albies, but I'll, I'll bring up my third guy, which is Matt Chapman. Uh, um, before the season began, I was very high on Matt Chapman, but even I didn't see this coming. Um, similar to Trinan down the stretch last year, Chapman showed some marked improvements in his control of the strike zone, bringing down his K rate, exhibiting some interesting power. Um, he's continued to make gains at the plate. In terms of his swing and miss, he's uh, his swing and strike rate stands at 8.7%. That's down nearly 3% from last year. So he's got control of the strike zone, but he's kept hitting the ball hard. Uh, he's at 43.3% hard contact. That's very, very good. You know, it's, it's an excellent skill to have to be able to curtail your strikeout rate, your whiffs, but not lose any of the hard contact. Um, Chapman has you know, made his way to the top of the lineup. He scored 93 runs. Um, you know, so he's he's a very useful bat and can be a three to four category producer depending on where he hits in the lineup next year. Um, you know, the growth is, is, is remarkable to see, to be honest. I always thought that he was going to be a guy that would develop over time because the glove was so good that the bat would eventually catch up. But he's done it in one season. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm viewing him next year as like a 280-ish, 25 to 30 homer bat. Um, and then, you know, the counting stats will be there. It's just a matter of in what form or fashion. You know, right now he's the two-hitter. Um, so he's sort of got that, you know, Albies-type profile in terms of run production where you're looking at 
close to a hundred runs and 70 something RBIs. Um, now, if he hits a little lower in the order, you see the RBIs go up, the runs go down, but I, I think he's going to be a very solid contributor next year as well. Yeah. He's sick. And I think there is like major upside as far as the power goes. Like if he hit 35 next year, I would not be surprised. Um, right now the, Exit velo is at 93.1, which is elite. Uh, the launch angle is 15.3, which is very good. Um, he's at a 395 average home run distance, so when he hits them out, he does crush them. And Pat mentioned all his gains. I mean, he's getting on base. His OBP is 3.59. He's just an all-around really good player. If he takes all these tools and his hard contact and everything, I uh, I don't know. This guy could be like absolutely amazing, and it's awesome owning A's. I always say invest in the A's, so I'm all over it as well. Okay, before we wrap up tonight, Nick, I, I have some early 2019 ADP that I wanted to run by you. Okay. I actually was thinking that I would throw the name out at you and let you guess Sure, do that. Uh, where they are, and then we could just talk about it quick. Okay. Okay, so... The first name I've got, Alberto Mondesi. No, oh, guess his high pick, his highest pick in the mocks, and his ADP right now. Um, ADP. Uh, ADP. I'm going to guess and say, I don't know. This is a tough one. One uh, Overall or um, second base shortstop? Like, what's his, what's his, his overall ADP? Overall ADP. Um, I'm going to guess and say 110. His ADP is 66.8. Oh, wow. That's very surprising. And his high pick is 39. Oh, God. Yeah, the market is <laughs> That's crazy. going crazy. I like him. Alberto Mont. We liked him before the year began. <laughs> but we, we said that like this is a guy that can hit for some pop and run a bunch if he gets the opportunity. And he's, he's gotten the opportunity. He's done that. The surprising thing is, is that he's hitting like 290. Um, I don't think the skills support it. But <laughs> where, where, where would you where would you have guessed his ADP? Like ninety something. I mean, I've got him ranked probably right around the area that you said his ADP would be. Yeah, you know, I'd put him probably right around one, somewhere between one ten and one thirty. Yeah. Um. Somebody took him at what thirty something? Thirty nine. Why? Because I guess because they're they're high on him. I mean, he is putting together a very impressive close know, to his season. Come on, man! I think come he on. I think he homered and stole a base again tonight. So I know, but I don't care. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I I think that the market has gotten a little bit out of control. Uh, you know, I I look at this guy and I see a mirror image of Jonathan VR, and Jonathan VR is not going that high. No. Um, so I mean, I'll I'll wait and take Jonathan VR and. You know, let everybody else chase Alberto Mondesi. Who's the next guy? 
Okay, next guy is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Um, well, I'm probably the lowest man. Not the lowest man. I'm, I guess I think I'm the low man out of the three of us because I, I like Soto better straight up. I'm going to probably have his ADP way down. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and gauge the fantasy world and this guy, and I'm going to guess that his ADP will be around – 40 overall you're it's a it's a decent guess but the adp currently sits at 50.6 okay so he's like about a round lower than you thought and his high was 23 so somebody took him in the second round yeah stupid yeah this is i mean this vlad is going to be the chris bryant the ronald acuna of this year, I think that pretty much bears that out, that he's going to be the most expensive prospect um, on the board in redraft leagues. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I in doing one of these, I was thinking about him, I want to say, right around, you know, 65 so I'm a little bit lower, and he lasted a little longer in my particular mock. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're going to have to expend, it looks like, you know, a fourth or a fifth round pick to get him. I, and it could go higher than that. And th- that's where I would guess he would be, is where I would put him, would be right around where I put Akuna this offseason, which was like um, – like 60, I want to say like 61, 62, 60, 59, 58, like in that area. So I'm not yeah. that far off. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think that's a fair price for him. I think going any higher than that is a little rich for my blood. But, you know, yeah. that's that, – I, I think he's going to go higher than that. I think he's going to end up right around where his too early ADP is. And then if he has a good spring training, I could see him going even higher. Yeah. Um, okay, so a player that's – had a bit of a rough year, a down year. D. Gordon. Hmm. Well, you know he's going to be expensive again because people just can't resist steals. Um, I think. Um. All right. First of all, I'll say this: his ADP is not generally going to reflect where he goes. If that makes any sense, because they'll be like. 40 or 50% of drafts next year that someone is sitting there like, oh my God, D Gordon is going to be going. And his ADP is so-and-so I'm going to grab him and I'm going to, he's going to bounce back and hit blah, 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 whatever. If I, yeah, I, guess, I, I think there's going to be somebody in most rooms that's going to believe that the, you know, the, that this was down year and that he's going to bounce back. And I, I still think he's going to be up there. So I'm going to, Guess that his ADP will be like, I want to say one, I'm going to say one, 130. <laughs> his ADP is 67. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, people love steals. I, and, and it's, I don't know. and it's, and he's not, you know, it's not like Mondesi where 
he's got a crazy high pick uh, that might be pushing him up the board a little bit. Uh, his high is 60. So he's going, you know, somewhere between 60 and 75 pretty much across the board. Wow. So, it, it, I mean, there is there is a discount from where he was going last year. Because last year I think he was like a third or a fourth round pick. But it's not – it doesn't correlate with the sort of year he's had. Um, now, keep in mind, Gordon has added shortstop eligibility. So – you know, that might be something um, that's pushing him up in people's minds, but he's to me, 30. that's just too he's expensive. base dealer with declining batting average. Yep, and he, and as of right now, he's the nine hitter in that lineup. Like, uh, you know, I mean, that could change. I don't know. And, and uh, there are clubhouse problems there, too, with him and Segura. So I don't know if he's going to stick around. Yeah, and how could anyone not get along with Gene Zagura? <laughs> He's the best. Um, listen, I don't know. Gordon I, – I've always liked Gordon too. Like I think I was the guy out of the three of us who would, who would probably take him. Um, but you don't know what's going to happen as far as the batting average goes. And he could just be another Ben Revere who's going to – you know, hit for decent average and get you steals. You could get that later in the draft. Like, there's so many guys like D. Gordon. Like, D. Gordon, like D. Gordon Light is player X at, like, 320. Literally. Like, go look at next year's ADP. You'll find a guy who's not far off from D. Gordon. Yeah, the guy, the guy that I'm thinking of right now that he's going to go much more expensive this year is Malik Smith. Is is basically D Gordon, and you could have gotten Malcolm Smith for free. Yeah, and you know, and and I, and I just want to clarify. I mean, it's not that we dislike these steel guys. It's just we don't like them as much as the market does. Like, no, I, but- I don't, I don't have any issue with owning D Gordon. Like, I, I think there's certainly a case to be made for D Gordon and having fantasy value. It's just I'm not. I'm not taking him that high because there are still really, really good bats on the board when when he's getting picked. I mean, you're talking about a top 70 player. Yeah. Like, listen, you look at the – look. I'm going to name three players for you right now that have had very, very similar years to what B. Gordon has done the last couple of years. Emilio Bonifacio, Rajai Davis, Ben Revere. All those guys never went where D. Gordon has been going. And though, yes, I, I get it. They're not on the same page. But those are like the D. Gordon light guys, as, as I'm saying, D. Gordon light, that will that were stealing 40 bases a year and giving you decent average. I just don't, I don't get it. If you take D. Gordon that high, there's something wrong. You're high. You must be high. <laughs> that's, the only, uh, that's the only excuse I can think of. Okay, and then one last one I've got for you. Madison Bumgarner. Oh, well, my boy. Um, personally, I would take him as a top five pitcher. I don't care. Well, he's not going there. I don't care. Um, where I think he'll be, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say 35. 
67 <laughs> with a high of 51. Oh, dinner is served. So you kind of see what I did here with Mondesi and Gordon and Bumgarner. So Mondesi is at 66.8. Gordon is at 67. And Bumgarner is at 67.3. Wow. So, I mean, I'm not exceptionally high on Bumgarner going into the year. Um, you know, I'm not – I don't have him inside my top five. But, you know, it, it, he's he's very interesting because he's not coming off the best year. Um, you know, he's he's been hurt the last two years. I mean, last year was – Absolutely fluky. Um, you know, this year was unfortunate. Um, but prior to this year, I mean, you know, prior to last year, he, the guy was a total horse um, in an excellent pitcher's park. Uh, he is one of the more interesting names, I think, going into next year to try and figure out where would you where, where to would slot him? ADP wise, like you're like where you would where you would want to target him. Um, hold on for one second. I can actually pull up my rankings, um, as to where I have him overall. Let's see. Like I had Bumgarner. I'd, I'd be happy. I'd be I'd happy to get him in the third round. I had him fifty fourth okay. overall. So we're both a lot higher than the ADP. Yeah, I'm higher than the ADP, but I, I think I was a little higher on the pitchers, generally speaking. Mm. Um, because he's my nineteenth starting pitcher. Okay. Um. All right. Before we wrap it up, I have I have an ADP guess for you. Okay. Since he hit another two home runs tonight, what do you think? What do you think about Luke Voigt next year? Oh, I, I, he's entirely dependent on how that situation plays out. Well, what situation? The Yankees. You know what the Yankees do this offseason. Well, if if they're if they're if they hold steady, and it looks like he's in line for every day at bats, I think he's. I think you have to start to look at him around, um, you know, uh, the one fifty mark. Okay, which is I think aggressive, but it is aggressive. I was just curious because, you know, I might have some Yankee bias, but. Um, you know, 100 at bats, he's been friggin' insane. Well, I always, I, I always thought he was sort of interesting when he was with the Cardinals. Um, you know, like I, I knew, I knew he was a catcher, and then they just never seemed to trust him behind the plate, and there was never really a path to playing time there. And going into Yankee Stadium, a guy that's like hits the ball really hard, but maybe doesn't have, you know all world sort of power, you know, that, that can hit it out of every single ballpark in major league baseball. Um, it's a really nice fit for him as a player. Um, because that ballpark is so Homer friendly. Uh, it, it seems like the ideal fit for him, but you know, he's got, he's, I think he's got a little bit of like Matt Adams in him, but from the right side, mm. but I think that can play in Yankee stadium. Um, but the issue is going to be, what are they going to do? Are they just going to 
roll with what they got there. I can't imagine they do. I, I would imagine they're going to be in the market in the first base market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was some speculation that they were trying to get Harper and then stick him at first base. I don't know if they're going to do that, but you know, it's, he's, he's very interesting going into next year. And I, I hope that he's erased, you know, the specter of Greg Bird for you because I know that you liked Greg Bird. You've liked Greg Bird for a while now. No, I hate Greg just, Bird. I hate well, Greg. now you hate him. Now, hate now you do. Finally, terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just curious to see what you felt about Boyd. Yeah, I think it's all dependent on his. Uh, you know what? What the Yankees end up doing this offseason? That's one that you have to watch. I mean, right. I know he had an insane game tonight, right? Didn't he need homer twice? Yeah, he had two oppo home runs off the Red Sox. Yeah. He's just the best. Yeah. But anyway. All right, anything else you want to add? No, that's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, that just about does it. Um, thank you for listening. Pat, tell them where you are on uh, Twitter. You can find me in the Twitterverse at PatrickFWO. And you can find me on the Twitterverse if you look really hard. Um, I'm out there somewhere tweeting once a month. Well, once every three months at Nick FWO. Um, and that's about it. Any football advice for this week, Pat? You I, was about to say, I was about to say, what about, what, what about your football advice? Nick's football corner. Um, all right. Well, listen, if you didn't, if you, if you weren't smart enough to draft Gio Bernard like me, um, go out and pick his ass up because he's going to be the bell cow. When he's the bell cow, he's a really good bell cow. He's going to ring that bell. He's going to score a touchdown. He's going to catch like six, six passes, and uh, that game's going to be a shootout. Um, I love Cooper Cup this week as far as daily fantasy. Go out and pick up Cup. He's 4,900 in DraftKings. He's going to have a big week. Um, anyone else? Oh, and Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard. Love Jordan Howard. Love Trey Burton. Anyone you love in, dra in uh, DraftKings this week, Pat? I really like the – even with the price going up, I like Brita a yeah. lot because I think he's. I think that game is destined to be a shootout, and I think he's going to catch a bunch of passes. Yeah, when he's and... if, if that guy had like a starting role somewhere and could stay healthy, like he's like dangerous. Yeah, he's he's very quick. Yeah. So, but he, I don't think he can hold up for a full nah. season. So ride him all while while the getting's good. Yeah. And uh, John Brown is the best player. Oh, John Brown. Yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with John. Always, always with John Brown. All right, guys. Take care. Good luck. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.